The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Tuesday, October 11th. All the way back in March, President Biden issued an executive order that directed every relevant federal agency to work on guidance related to crypto, and then, within a couple of months, to report back. This is the first or the strongest announcement or pronouncement that we've seen from President Biden in terms of crypto regulation. We've never seen this kind of action come out of the White House. We're now into that time to report back window. And the White House, along with other agencies, have started providing updates on their findings. On the White House end, for instance, policy recommendations include suggestions focused on better consumer and investor protections. But what about the big guys? The agencies like the Securities and Exchange Commission or the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, both of whom have a stake in crypto regulation. Here to break down the latest developments is Bloomberg reporter Alison Versprill. I think in terms of kind of government speak, it is still very new. I think they're still kind of wrapping their arms around the technology and they don't want to, you know, move too fast and do something that has repercussions. Allison, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I can't decide if it's like technically busy right now in regulation or not busy. <laughs> We're in a weird place. The last time we chatted, the last time you were on the show, we were anxiously awaiting the arrival of various reports that were tied to, you know, the big White House executive order on crypto that happened back in March. He gave various federal agencies, both financial regulators and some non-financial regulators, mandates to look at different issues, to look at some of the concerns we have with this space, but also some of the benefits that the crypto industry and sector could provide and come up with recommendations about what types of regulation are needed going forward. We're now in the period when they're starting to release those. What's the content of those been like? Is there anything in there that you've been surprised by? Is anything groundbreaking? What's the reception? You know, I was talking to someone about these reports, and I think the word that was used was unsatisfying. <laughs> you know, the reports do, they talk about a lot of the potential benefits, actually mostly focused, though, on the risks of digital assets. And, you know, they, they kind of indicate areas of further study. For instance, Treasury has been tasked with you know, studying the illicit finance risk of decentralized finance as well as non-fungible tokens. And we should be seeing mm -hmm. those reports next year. But there was really not a lot of clear, you know, we need regulation on XYZ or we're solving the question of whether digital assets are securities or commodities. So really these main questions that the industry has are, are still unanswered. I know 
the Crypto Council for Innovation, which is one of these big DC-based trade groups, did say that the reports basically just kicked the can down the road and mm-hmm. they, you know, said that it showed an outdated and unbalanced understanding of the technology. So I can think it's safe to say that the industry is not too happy with where these landed. So did they want regulation? Is it the usual cry of clarity is what we desperately seek? Like what what's the unsatisfactory part? You know, I, I don't know if I'm in the head of exactly what the industry is going with here. You know, they always say that they want clarity. I know some, uh, especially some of the former, you know, government officials that I'll talk to say, well, they want clarity, but they they basically just say they want rules different from other industries. They want easier rules to follow. So it's hard to it's hard to say what the real motivation is, but I, I can say that I feel like a lot of the questions, at least, that they had were not answered by these reports. Now, avid listeners of this podcast will have recently heard an episode that we did based on a Twitter spaces, just for maximum multimedia integration, but based on a Twitter (laughs) spaces that you and our colleague David Pan conducted with someone who is advising the White House on crypto policy. The climate element of this does seem to be one area where there were a few more specifics. Yes, I think the climate report, you know, offered more insight into where the White White House stands more so than maybe some of these other reports. You know, they did indicate that they were worried about some forms of crypto mining, in particular, you know, proof of work, which is used to verify and mine transactions on the, the Bitcoin blockchain. They also said that they think you know, there needs to be more information disclosure so that they they want more information from miners. They also would like the federal government to work with states to establish standards. And then if that doesn't work, they said White House maybe consider executive actions or Congress maybe consider legislation. So there were some interesting aspects to it. I think, again, it does still fall a little short of, you know, here are the exact information disclosure requirements we're going to impose. And we're doing that by X time. You know, like there were not really any time frames in the report. So interesting, but still not not a lot of concrete information or, or timetables there. Is it unusual for there to not have been any kind of concreteness or timelines? Like just for, for people who don't avidly read reports from government agencies as their job, <laughs> <laughs> was anything about this surprising? I don't know that it was surprising. You know, I did talk to someone who used to work in the government and the person did kind of suggest that a lot of these times these executive orders are sort of pencil pushing exercises, as I I think how the person described it. And then they also kind of gave the example of a lot of times we were seeing these requests for comments on, on the reports that were about to come out about a month before the report was actually supposed to be released or maybe two months, which isn't really a lot of time to kind of take in comments and digest them and then put something out. And so this person was sort of suggesting without at the time knowing what was in the reports was sort of suggesting like, "Eh, I I don't know how much we're actually going to get out of this. And from my understanding, in talking with this person, it's not it's not abnormal for that kind of executive orders to result in these kinds of reports of, you know, let's do more research. I think the interesting aspect is like it does show that The administration is still looking at this, that they do care about this subject, that it's probably not going away that regulators and agencies are going to be interested in digital assets. But it does kind of show like we haven't come to any conclusions on anything. It's funny that you say, you know, like a decision to do more homework. It's like it's almost like never ending academia. 
we invite yes. you to study this additional proposal. <laughs> Um, I mean, <laughs> request comment on the reports are they continue to come. So we're going to have a report <laughs> in October from the Financial Stability Oversight Council, which is led by Treasury. And that is going to be on financial stability risks and potential gaps. And it's supposed to offer recommendations on how to close those gaps. So we, we're not done with the EO reports either. There's there's going to be more. So <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what's in them. Can you talk a little bit about what the SEC and the CFTC have been up to here? Sure. So the Securities and Exchange Commission, the chair there, Gary Gensler, has been really clear. And I feel like he's, you know, only gotten more, a little bit louder on this messaging that he thinks, you know, a lot of these exchanges should be registered with his agency. They're illegally offering securities. So he's been pretty clear in that. And he's been pretty clear that we should likely expect some enforcement in this area. I think one thing that's interesting is that a lot of folks I, I talked to were expecting this month to be very, very busy when it comes to crypto enforcement. And we've seen some cases and some cases that are pretty interesting, but that are hitting kind of smaller fish. You know, we haven't really seen a big company you know, like a Coinbase or an FTX or something like that, that would make a splashy headline that would say, you know, we're really going after the industry. We've, we aren't afraid to go after big players. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that develops and if, if we start to see more action there over the rest of the year. Have there been more comments from folks like Gensler in terms of the, the specificity of the things that he's thinking about or worried about? And has any of this evolved over time? Like, are we seeing more focus on areas like stablecoins compared to the earlier part of the year? Or is stablecoins still the thing that everyone's talking about? Like, what's the trend right now? So, I, you know, on the SEC side, he's talked a lot about the top issue of are you illegally offering securities? But then he's also talked a lot about companies needing to separate sort of their their custody function. So, you know, they're holding assets for customers from their market making functions, from basically just segregating these different parts of their businesses so that there's not a conflict of interest in how they're operating. So, I mean, that's that's been something he's been talking about a lot. It started back in the spring and it's kind of escalated from there. So you know, an, an area that we probably should be watching. When you say it's an area that we probably should be watching, do you have a sense, is it even possible to have a sense going into 2023 of what some of those priorities might be? It's hard to say. I mean, the EO reports, I, I guess one of the things that was interesting that came out of it was that the administration did encourage the SEC and, you know, its sister organization that, or sister agency, the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, to continue using their existing authorities to take enforcement actions, to carry out investigations. So it's clear there's some blessing there. So I think, you know, I think we could definitely watch to see if these agencies are are continuing to be more aggressive on the crypto space. Mm -hmm. On the central bank digital currency front, you know, the U.S. has not come to any conclusions on whether or not it wants to move forward with its own CBDC these reports did show that it's still a high priority to continue looking into this. But Treasury, I, I believe, said, you know, the research alone could take several years. So more more studying to happen. And I think actually interesting, too, is that you can see some sort of people walking back earlier estimates of how soon we might get a U.S. CBDC. 
Um, mm-hmm. Some strategists at Bank of America had originally predicted, you know, we're going to see one between 2025 and 2030. Now, in a recent report, they said, ah, OK, we think that might have been <laughs> too optimistic. We're going to dial that back. They actually didn't even give a new time frame, but they just said that we don't know if it's going to come before 2030 now. I think that's another area to watch is as these other countries do start making a lot more progress, do we start seeing a lot more pressure on the U.S. side to do more. We'll be right back with Bloomberg reporter Alison Versbrill on the latest as it relates to the White House and crypto regulation. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. When I've spoken to folks in the past, one of the things that they've said is there's a lot of interest in the national security community for, you know, a digital dollar. They're they're framing it as this is an important thing to maintain the integrity of U.S. borders. They worry about the, you know, like the rising influence of stable coins. They worry just kind of competitively about being left behind, as you've mentioned, by other countries who might be further ahead. Are they still the loudest voices in the room on this or is that tenor changing at all? I think that's right. I think the national security folks, you know, and and the the White House National Security Council, you know, that's kind of top of mind when they think about the CBDC. Um, And there was actually a recent hearing where a lot of what was talked about was, you know, the national security concerns or, you know, maintaining the prominence of the U.S. dollar. So I think we'll start to hear more and more of that. I think it'll probably get louder. And I think another thing to think about is, you know, the U.S. likes to be first on this, these kinds of things. They like to be the standard setters. So yeah. if they feel like these other countries are moving forward without them, I can imagine that's not sitting well with, with some folks in the administration. So you might see some kind of internal pressures as well. And, you know, I think I think we definitely should be keeping an eye on that. So this is kind of the tension between the let's do more homework and the let's get this done contingents. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, I, I mean, it's it, they're very interesting dynamics. I think part of this is this is all still very new. I mean, I, I know the crypto industry would say we've been around for a while now, but 
I think in terms of kind of government speak, it is still very new. I think they're still kind of wrapping their arms around the technology and they don't want to, you know, move too fast and do something that has repercussions. And then you obviously look at they're facing some pushback on the CBDC front from the banking sector, which is a pretty strong lobby in the U.S., I would say, because the banking sector has said, you know, we think this is going to make commercial deposits less, you know, desirable to U.S. consumers. And then what's how is that going to affect us and the amount of credit that's out in the market? All right. So we got to We got to do like a nerd step back for two seconds. <laughs> okay. Because I'm a bank. You're a customer. You currently have an account at like Bank of SMI, tons of money because, you know, why not? Why would the existence of a central bank digital currency compete with your desire to deposit money at the Bank of SMI? What people would say is, well, if it's the government is backing these tokens, that obviously is a much more desirable asset to have than having to rely on these private sector banks. So that's that's kind of the main concern I hear. And banks really feel like they don't have an opportunity to compete in in that kind of instance. Which is why there are many ways that folks are looking at doing a central bank digital currency. And, and as much as I might laugh about homework, as a person who loves homework, you know, in, in kind of the details of some of these proposals are things like, well, one of the things that banks offer, you know, one of the things that I would offer to you to incentivize you to maintain that account is interest. Right. You know, it's like you I mean, in this current environment, you're you're getting better interest rates on your deposits than you might have been a while ago. I also potentially offer a suite of different services, like maybe I offer you credit cards or, you know, the ability to get a home loan or an auto loan, which are not necessarily things that the government might offer to somebody who's banking with them. So this is definitely a devil in the details thing, but it's it's not so clear to me, at least, that the bank lobby is going to be as vulnerable as they're making it out to be. You know, in the letters that I've read from the banking industry, they've talked about, you know, even if the government were to not offer interest on people's CBDC holdings, or even if the government were to put a cap on how much CBDC people could actually have in their accounts, they continue to kind of make the argument that it would still have a very negative effect on banking. So they've kind of taken into consideration <laughs> maybe the things that the government would do to sort of help out the banking sector. And they're and they're still, you know, pushing back a bit on this. I'm definitely going to be watching to see how this whole dynamic plays out going forward. Well, I can't promise that we will still be talking about banking regulation on a podcast in like 2035 or whenever a US <laughs> CBDC actually happens. But hopefully some of the other proposed changes will go from proposed to possible in the not too distant future. And we will absolutely be having you back for an update then. All right. I look forward to it. All right. Terrific. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You can find more of Allison's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. On Twitter, she's at Ali Versprill. That's A-L-L-Y-V-E-R-S-P-R-I-L-L-E. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, one of the more or maybe less unexpected side effects of this crypto winter has been an absolute outbreak of CEOs rushing for the exit. We'll be talking crypto CEO succession. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. 
For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at Crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Barrero. Associate producer is Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.